Raiders only have three up by the line of scrimmage. Mac Jones hands it off on a draw to Ramondre Stevenson. Breaks out of a tackle at the 50. Has the 45. Breaks away from another tackle. Pitches it backwards. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. And Stefan! Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. It scores! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I can't believe what I just saw! Again! I can't believe what I just saw! This is unbelievable! <laughs> wow! On the first night of Hanukkah, it's a miracle in Las Vegas! Chandler Jones picks off a lateral, and the Raiders win 30-24! to Lindsey Brown is in studio. Ed Graney's gone, but we will talk to him a little bit later in the show. I can, I still can't believe that the Raiders won a game that way, that any NFL team would lose a game that way. Especially the Patriots. Of all the teams. The beacon of discipline, the Patriot way. Come on. The beacon of discipline. Oh, that's how they brand themselves, is it not? Uh, You said that this was one of the best sports weekends ever? I think so. In terms of just excitement level, I I think it's definitely up there. It was pretty good. We barely have the Vikings and uh, come back in the show today. It's like a forgotten sliver of greatness. 48 hours ago. Who cares now? Uh, Not many. Only Kirk Cousins does. You just got to move on, though. You get the win, and you move on to the next week because you got a job to do. And that one shirtless seven-year-old from Iowa who (laughs) Kirk Cousins wanted to be the mascot. Uh, We buy him an apartment. But we had an incredible sports weekend, and then tonight we get Rams and Packers in Monday Night Football. Yeah. (laughs) Throw up in your mouth. I I have to imagine the NFL... Looked into the schedule like, oh, mid-December, we want to make sure we have two teams that we're pretty sure are going to be playing for playoff uh, seedings or division titles. A feast of talent. And they've said Rams and Packers. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and neither team's any, like not even close. I guess if the Packers win, they still have a chance, but not like they're not even they're close. They're so bad. What a so, layoff for the Rams to playing on Thursday night and then having to wait all the way till Monday the next week. Baker Mayfield can study the playbook. <laughs> That's true. He's probably a master at this point. All right. We're not talking about that game anymore because we had a great weekend. The first bite. How did the Patriots out Raider the Raiders? Maybe the most incredible part of the Patriots losing to the Raiders on the final play because wide receiver tried to throw it 30 yards backwards (laughs) to their quarterback is that we have seen the Raiders lose in hilarious games this year. Yep. The Raiders have blown massive leads. They blew a massive lead in this game. Yeah, it had the same recipe going. The Raiders uh, lost a game in overtime on a fumble by Hunter Renfro. They got picked up and returned for mm-hmm. a walk-off touchdown. The Raiders lost to Jeff Saturday and the Colts. Correct. Still the only team to do that. The Raiders lost to Baker Mayfield, who had to drive over 90 yards in less than two minutes to score a game-winning touchdown. The Raiders have been the team that have lost in hilarious fashion over and over and over. And then the Patriots one-upped them. In, in like the most out of nowhere, inc- right out of freaking nowhere. And even that final play, like they do a running play and he gets through, like he gets a good 15 yards and granted he's not anywhere near the sideline at that point. And so, but it wouldn't matter because if the clock runs out, right. we just go to overtime. But the, the decision to do the first lateral is even just confounding <laughs> to me. And then the second one, I just, 
I felt so bad for that guy, and he owned up to it in the locker room after the fact. Yeah, and and he had a pretty good game. Otherwise, had a couple of really big catches when uh, the the Patriots offense was clicking. Although they were probably just as inconsistent as the Raiders, but it was just out of nowhere. You just get this gift, and gift (laughs) seems like you're short selling it. And it's Chandler Jones. Like, has anybody else got more crap this year than Chandler Jones? I mean, there's plenty to go around with this team for a lot of reasons. The funniest part to me of Chandler Jones being the one to score a touchdown is that Chandler Jones quit on the play. Yeah. So Chandler Jones actually had a chance to tackle Ramon J. Stevenson like a yard downfield, misses the tackle. And then a Patriots lineman sort of comes and and pushes him into the ground. Mm-hmm. And then Chandler Jones stands up and doesn't chase the play. Yeah. Like do, doesn't even. The play's going to die and we're right. on overtime. Doesn't Another chase the fight. play at all. All of the Patriots linemen go down to chase the play. Mm-hmm. And all, all but Chandler Jones on the Raiders defense is running down to chase the play. It's just him and Mac Jones. And because he didn't chase the play. Yep. He scores the game winning right. touchdown. If Chandler By Jones hanging back, if he chases that play, yep. Jacoby Myers throws it back. Mac Jones either catches it or picks it up on a fumble or whatever because he'd be the only one back there, and he probably gets tackled and they go to overtime. But because Chandler Jones is like, nah, I'm not running you twenty guys yards. Got it. The ball comes right to him, <laughs> and he scores. It was just, it was a, a comedy of errors across the board for it. And it's like when you watch a play happen. You almost think to yourself, am I watching art right now? Because you've just you never seen something like that transpire. You probably will never see something transpire like that again because you know that that's going to be a teaching point for almost every single team going forward at end of the game. Just From uh, the NFL down to correct, eight-year-olds. Correct, correct. And, and so, it's it, again, it's not even the initial lateral, even though that is problematic in its own right. It's the second one, and it's... I, I don't know how m- more deflated you could get than well, losing a game like that. The other funny part is I the only reason Ramondre Stevenson laterals that ball is because he got like 30 yards downfield. Correct. Because he, he got to like, what was that, the 25 And he or drew something? a bunch of bodies right. to him. And so he's like, well, we'll get free and clear and we'll have our own walk-off touchdown. Like, the plan was let's just hand it off yeah. and go to overtime. And the plan was like, yeah, well, it'll be like an eight-yard carry. But St- I, Stevenson gets to like the 25 and he prob- probably went through his mind Oh, I'm I'm kind of close to scoring. Right? I'm about to get tackled, but here's Jacoby Myers. Maybe he can find a way to score. And then I don't know if it was the first lateral, but it just Jacoby's Jacoby Myers' mind went to, oh, I got to keep lateraling. Right. It. Well, and they were right by the sideline too. So even if the first lateral didn't work, you're like, just go out right there. Then you're fine, even though you're not. There was no time left on the clock. It was just your brain got taken over by survival mode, and you made an unbelievably bad decision. Uh, does, do, should we expect Mac Jones to make the tackle on Chandler? Jones? No, God, no. I don't ever expect quarterbacks to be able to make tackles <laughs> because they're, they're so protected. They're so averse to, to physical contact. And if you look at the size disparity, the matchup isn't exactly in his favor, but he got trucked. I didn't realize until after the game that Chandler <laughs> Jones said it was like mad. And that's exactly what I thought when you saw it. Cause it was just such a clean stiff arm. And it's just, that's going to replay over and over and over. And I was so glad that it happened to the Bostonian fan base. Mac Jones said uh, post-game, I've got to tackle the guy. It's yeah. on me. And it's I have the fault. audio. It's ridiculous. Listen, there's a lot of things that are Mac Jones's fault uh, in that game. He was not very good. No. That's not one of them. 
I like Mac Jones is like the least to blame. But he took he took a page out of Zach Wilson's book because remember you're learning from everybody else's mistakes in the league. (laughs) I say it was my fault. You're taking ownership, and ultimately you can't say that it didn't play into it. He could have made the tackle, but I wouldn't expect him to make that tackle. His attitude is brutal, though. That's oh, where my qualm with him is. I love it. It's great. Well, it's just it's very reminiscent of Tom, who was also a little bit of a of a wussy yesterday. But it just <laughs> you you earn that. Mac Jones is a, what his second year, third year quarterback, second, yeah. And it hasn't exactly been. Yeah, this guy is definitely going to be the answer going forward. And he's just even from the first quarter, the amount of frustration. Him just yeah, you can just see him swearing on the field, I'm like. Calm, cool, and collected, bro. Like, you're the leader. You just got to wipe it clean and move on. I don't, uh, I can't tell who the Raiders teammates are that are chasing Chandler Jones from this angle that I'm rewatching, but I, I don't feel like it clicked in their minds that they were about to win the game no. until Chandler Jones was like on the five yard line. No. Like, they just are like, oh, he's got the ball. He's running. And it's like, oh, this is the There's last There's no one play here the either. Exactly. Because <laughs> there's the turnover. There's him getting down there because you're like, well, maybe somebody will chase him down. Because we've seen that happen before, too. But God, what a great team. Well, it's not like the Raiders' situational awareness is off the charts considering how many damn penalties they take. And they're not even gameplay penalties, Tyler. They're game management. It how many me How many delay games do they get called for? They had one on the first play of a new drive. I'm like, <laughs> did we not communicate this before we walked out? I was, uh, when they, they had the ball offensively in the two-minute warning, I was expecting them to come out of the two-minute warning and get a delay game. Yeah. Or, or God, they mismanaged that end of the game, too. Of they had two drives, their last two drives in regulation, and one was with about three minutes left, and they had the ball for about 30 seconds, three and out, and then they were lucky to get the ball back after the Patriots drive stalled out as well, and it was with two minutes left, and I think it was about 20 seconds of gameplay time, because all of a sudden they're like, let's pass every play, even though we've been running it the entire day. Uh, the Patriots get screwed on the Keelan Cole game-tying touchdown? Absolutely. I love it. How? Let me ask you this. Give me a percentage. How confident are you that Keelan Cole's foot was out of bounds? Uh, when I saw the play transpire initially or on after replay? After replay. Like, they're reviewing it. You've seen the replay however many well, times they Well, I would it. say with about 75% certainty, but they didn't really have the angle, and that's the whole bit where it's not necessarily to prove a call wrong, but you need to negate what the call was on the field and have irrefutable evidence, right? That's the whole bit. So They didn't have it. I felt like there was irrefutable evidence, sure. uh, but I, I guess I can understand why they wouldn't uh, overturn it. The part that's bizarre, how how does the NFL not have a better camera angle? Right. They a, have them in the a, pylons. They have them everywhere. Yeah, We're not talking about... Uh, did he pick up the first down on the 32 yard line? This is in the end zone and mm-hmm. the best angles we have. One is like f- on the field. The camera's like laying on the ground. So right. You can't even see. And then the other Here's one, GoPro. the other one is like on the damn torch. It's like from the torch. <laughs> they should have one like overhead hanging down. I, I don't understand how there's not a better camera angle of that yeah. because there was, I don't know who uh, actually took the photo, but there was a still photo and Keelan Cole's foot is clearly what part of his foot of was it? Was it his heel or the side of his foot? Because sometimes it was the front of his foot, yeah, it was okay. his toes. Yeah. That he he didn't get the one foot when it hit down. His toes were down on the white line. I thought it was pretty clear on the replay. Maybe but, Roger made a call. But the uh, funny part of this, uh, Josh Dubow actually tweeted this out. This game between Raiders and Patriots was supposed to be the Sunday night game, mm-hmm. but it got flexed out of Sunday night, and they put the Giants and Commanders there. Instead, 
every every primetime game, so Thursday, Sunday, Monday nights, there are cameras in the pylons. Yeah. So if this game had been on Sunday night and obviously played out the exact same way, there would have been a pylon cam and we probably see a terrific angle of Keelan Cole's foot out of bounds and the call's overturned. Yet another silver lining of being mediocre, people. Raiders still had like 30 seconds. So it's not like that was the last play of the game. Raiders still had like 30 seconds. So they still could have scored and tied the game. But most likely, the Patriots win that game if it stays on Sunday night. Well, and that score came out of nowhere. They couldn't get anything going. Anything. And and, And, I mean, Derek Carr, he sailed more than a couple. And so the fact that there was any semblance of success from that range was shocking to me. Which team was more poorly coached, the Raiders or the Patriots? Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, you can't. It's not Bill's fault that that whole thing transpired at the end, because ultimately, if you just ask Bruce Cassidy, once the players go over the boards, execution's on them. And so I would say the Raiders, because I, I, I cannot figure out why they are they are so easily frazzled in the second half. And I'm going to ask a bunch of our guests about it today, because I just they they go completely turtle shell. Yeah. And they it's three and out, three and out, three and out. And that's that interception that they threw early on in the second half just completely derailed them. But you have to get back on track. And they're so committed to three runs in a row, and then it's three passes in a row. I'm like, what are we doing? There were two plays where it felt like, oh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots knew exactly what Josh McDaniels yeah. was calling. One was the pick six on a screen where yep. the, the defensive back just blew it up. Yeah, just knew exactly what was coming. The other was a running back screen. I think it was in the first quarter where they try to run the screen and there are three Patriots who do not rush Derek Carr, but just go stand by Josh Jacobs. Right. Like there, So there were a couple of plays where it felt like, oh, Bill Belichick knew exactly what McDaniels was calling. But that's those aren't even the worst parts of the coaching part of the no, game. Like <laughs> and Derek Carr was under pressure, but it was mostly late in the second half. Like he had plenty of time to make yeah. decisions yesterday, even though the offensive line is apparently hobbled. He just wasn't connecting on what should be automatic passes, automatic plays. Wasn't very good. No. Still won the game. <laughs> no. I, brutal. Absolutely brutal. Does Derek Carr make the tackle on Chandler Jones? Yes. You think so? I think so. I think Derek Carr is a better athlete than Mac Jones. I think, okay, maybe he makes the tackle if he's there, but I think Derek Carr, as soon as he sees his running back lateral it, Derek Carr is running down the field trying to get the next lateral. I think that's what Carr's doing in that scenario. I think he tries to rip somebody's leg off. (laughs) Coming up next, we get into the Golden Knights because they lost at home again. From Miramanov, it trickles away, and it's a breakaway for the Islanders. Miramanov rushing from behind, and a shot. Thompson is saved, turning it aside from Josh Bailey. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter, at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. You're not going to play the featuring All-American Lindsey Brown? Uh, no. <laughs> Lindsey has control of the board today, so... And co-hosting. Uh, she's doing a lot. A uh, multi-talented individual. Ed is out, but we will talk to him at 8.30 today, so you'll still get a dose of Ed Graney on the show. Coming up in about seven minutes, Mike Gramala is going to join the show. Also, we got tickets to give away. Uh, we'll have tickets to go see Icky Pop. We also have tickets to go see Kevin Hart on New Year's Eve. That's so stay a hot tuned. Uh, we got a lot going on in the show today. Did want to get into the Golden Knights here quickly. Uh, they lost at home again to the New York Islanders 5-2. to two. two of those were empty netters. It was a 3-2 game late in the third, so they didn't get blown out here. 
Uh, but they are now 8-8-0 eight, eight, no at home on the season. 14-2-1 on the road. Um, we'll get, uh, get to Mark Stone here in a second. But I am curious your thoughts on this. Logan Thompson hasn't been as good the last five to ten games as he was in his first five to ten games of the season. Correct. Right? He and honestly, he and Aiden Hill got off to an incredible start when yep. the Golden Knights, their first 15 were 13-2-0. and it was so good that you knew they weren't going to be that unsustainably good. Right. good. It, he would have been the best goalie in the NHL if he had done that. And he for still an could season. be Tyler. You just have to believe Uh-oh. hard enough. So hasn't been as good recently. Bruce Cassidy. Um, I don't know. Is this calling out Logan Thompson? Because he, here's the full quote from Bruce Cassidy. I think we could have been better at managing the puck and you need saves at times, mm-hmm. right? If the other guy is making them. So it became a little bit of that as well. Is that calling Logan Thompson out? I mean, it's going to be read that way because he's simply saying that Logan Thompson didn't really give them the best chance to win that night. And it's true. When you have a a, a couple of goals from the lower lineup, as we like to say um, in in the game. The Phil Kessels of the opponent. Sure. Well, I mean, he's first line Phil Kessel. I mean, so uh, I believe you have some stats in here that prove how lethal he is on the top line. But... (laughs) In terms of what that game was and who the Islanders are and the and the context in which that game was played, because the Islanders at that point had lost four games in a row and were coming off a back-to-back in Arizona. And a lot what Bruce Cassidy had to say after the game in terms of puck management had to do with the forwards and everybody else and playing the right way early on in games and actually tiring out your opponent instead of just trying to do tic-tac-toe plays, trying to get things going offensively, because it's actually a better strategy for you to try to twist the knife in the wound of your opponent than it is to get yourself pumped up and ready to go. And honestly, I think that would be a better thing for Logan Thompson as well to see a little bit more rubber earlier on in the games and get settled in. But he is over moving for me for me right now. There's little micro movements that you use as a goalie to just move so many inches or, or not twist your hips to the left and go to the right. He just, he wasn't on and you could tell in the, in the way that the puck was bouncing off of him because he looked a little settled in early on, but then he became more and more jumpy and that little extra push goes a really long way with him just in terms of what he's capable power wise and how important it is for him to be in position in the crease. So, do you believe Cassidy should be calling him out? Oh, Even yeah. if it's not, I mean, okay, I keep saying calling him out. It's not like he went into the press conference and just ripped into Logan Thompson. He highlighted it's, his struggles. Right. He, he, he brought it up in basically two sentences. You mm-hmm. need saves at times if the other guy's making them, right? It's not like he walked in there and just trashed Logan Thompson. Right. But he did call out his goalie to an extent. And I think the other potential key here, Logan Thompson retweeted two media members that tweeted right. that quote. So it definitely got to Logan Thompson. For so sure. Called it out. But do you believe Bruce Cassidy? She's, I don't know enough about Logan Thompson. I don't know if you do. But do you believe that it's best for him to get called out? Should or should uh, Cassidy maybe even go harder on him? Or mm. does he need to be, I don't know, more of a cheerleader, more encouraging with Logan Thompson? Well, you want to make sure that, first of all, Bruce is staying integral to his character. And he usually doesn't have any problem with that. And that's why he's, he's highlighting the struggles. But... I, I don't think it's time to get heavy-handed. I wouldn't classify this as heavy-handed. And the read that I have on Logan Thompson, and and granted, I, I'm not inside his brain. I don't know him personally. But I know what my brain was like when I was going. I know my relationships with my coaches that have gotten exponentially better now that I don't play for them anymore. <laughs> because it was a miserable experience, especially for college. And it wasn't anything that 
I guess my coach did because she realized in order to get the best out of me that she needed to treat me and communicate with me in a certain way. And that was for me to play not well, it probably was scared. Not scared of my own abilities, but scared that I was going to lose it. Scared that I was going to lose my net, that I wasn't playing well enough. And there was a certain amount of anxiety that was born from that. And it, it, it was really hard. But in terms of what that brings out from someone as a competitor and and how talented Thompson is, you want to challenge him because he he's going to challenge you. He's going to be as confident as possible. But he's also very honest with himself. And so I think it's about being honest and communicating exactly what's going on in that ice. Because if he's just, if Bruce just goes, well, it's okay. It wasn't Tommy's fault. He, we, we could do better in front of him. He doesn't have to do really anything different. How does that help you? Can you call out Logan Thompson and then not start him tonight? They don't play in after tonight. They don't play again until Friday. Mm-hmm. So effectively, if we're if we're taking this as a hey, Cassidy called him out, not happy with how he played. If he goes to Aiden Hill tonight, that would mean they will have gone six days between Thompson's last game and his next game. Right. Well, then I, how many days would it be for Aiden Hill between his two games if he doesn't play? So do you care as much about Aiden Hill? Yeah, I think you have to keep both goalies lathered up and, and you can't go too long in between starts because it's just practice shots aren't the same timing. It's not the same urgency. And you want to make sure that you're giving these guys the best opportunity to play their best game if they need to be called upon in a, a relief situation or, or or just like a spot start. I'm not sure who's going to be starting tonight, but this Buffalo team is very motivated to kick some ass considering what we did to them in their building a couple weeks ago. And oh yeah, we're still super depleted and not the only person that's scoring right now is Riley Smith. At least the power play is clicking, right? We're always saying all we need is now, the power play. The only thing that's good. Right. And now it's just, but their second periods have just been so disappointing, especially at home. And in terms of it's just busy work. Like, they're just doing stuff. There's not a lot of threats out there. There's not a lot of big-time plays. And I'm not saying that in terms of, well, I want rush hockey. I want to I want to see odd man rushes. I want to see crazy um, decisions being made. But that just speaks back to my point where you're not grinding down your opponent. You're not possessing the puck correctly. Because puck management isn't about just not about possessing it, not turning it over. It's about good dumpings. It's about passes not in the skates or a little bit too far ahead. Like, the Golden Knights cannot connect on passes for, to save their life right now or getting the transition sped up to catch the opposition and the change. It just, they don't always make, make the wrong decision, but they usually don't make the smartest one. And you got to be a smart hockey team. Cause this is a talented hockey team. Can I applaud you for taking notes on a laptop? You can instead of, on let's a just note say card. we're growing in more ways than one. Look at this is quick. Yeah, I have like eight cards. different screens right now. I'm about to combust, <laughs> but you know, I still have my, my handwritten notes, but I might, I don't know. It's just I take more notes when I'm typing it out. I did six pages on the Raiders game last night. But well, but hockey's not there the same. Hockey's the not the game. same to to take notes on though because it's not like stop start stop no. start. So. All right, coming up next, Mike Gravala joins the show. This football, the ball bounces crazy crazy ways. It's not a uh, you know predictable game sometimes, and obviously the ending was probably the most insane ending I think I've ever been a part of. But we'll take it. We're back to the press box morning show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Mike Grimala. Uh Mike, we'll, we'll get to some UNLV basketball in a minute. we got more important things to talk about, mainly because the reason I asked you to come on today is because you texted me a soccer take that I would like you to uh, give on the radio. Tyler, I'm not, a, I'm not a big soccer watcher, but I'm also not a, a soccer basher. I'm not one of these people that goes around you know, saying, 
oh, it's boring or blah, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I give it a fair shake. I invested time into this World Cup. I watched every United States game. I watched some of the other. I watched some of the other games. I watched that entire World Cup final from beginning to end, and I felt so cheated <laughs> when they decided that whole thing with a penalty kick shootout. I felt cheated. I felt stupid for having watched and cared about the entire thing. How can they decide the entire championship of the world with a penalty kick shootout? Doesn't that discredit the entire month that came before it? No, they settled it with 120 minutes of soccer. Yeah, the players would pass out, Mike. At some point, they're going to go out from exhaustion. Lindsay, that's the argument that I hate because, yes, the players would get tired, and eventually someone would score. Well, they did. They both like, scored in extra time. They just don't have a no, sudden death goal in, in uh, soccer. That's like if the NBA went, if like after overtime of the NBA, you just went to a free throw shootout. It's like, no, you play, and then, yeah, the players will get tired, but eventually you just keep playing until someone wins. Like, why are we suddenly so concerned that players might get tired? Like, why is that suddenly, oh, no, some professional athletes will, will like, their conditioning will be tested? Why is that the, the be-all, end-all of why we can't decide a true winner with these things? But anyways, that was, I, I really felt angry that the, that's how they decided it. So I uh, would have preferred there uh, had been a winner before penalties. Sure. Uh, that is always better. You are not wrong in that regard, but penalty shootout is... Phenomenal. The amount of drama in a penalty shootout is terrific. And it's it dramatic. was it, yes. it's dramatic. It's dramatic, but it gives you no idea of which, which of those two teams is better at listen, soccer. Listen, Mike, you did not tune into the World Cup final <laughs> desperate to find out if France or Argentina was better at the sport of soccer. You were there to be no. entertained by the most important sporting event in the world. But I did want to see who would win, and I feel like I, I didn't get to find out which team would have won. It was such a great match, too. Um, you see how I said match instead of Good game, job. and Good it was job. so great, and I was captivated, and I was like, "Oh, this is! I'm so glad that I'm watching this and I'm experiencing this. This is something I'll remember." And then the time ran out, and I said, "Oh, they're gonna just kick the ball from ten yards away and see who makes more." <laughs> All right, uh, so you watched that in the morning, and then you were at Allegiant Stadium last night. Um, I don't even know what to ask you about the final play of the game. Who who do you blame for? I'll ask it this way: Who do you blame for the final play of the game and how the Patriots lost? I would blame the coaches on both sidelines. Um, <laughs> both of them, <laughs> McDaniel's. You had a hand in this too. Yeah. Those are yeah. Those are just. Uh, I tweeted it after the game, but those are the two worst worst coach teams in the NFL. Like those are two teams that just their coach the, the coaching staffs are just. Um, clearly in over their heads. Like there's no discipline on either side. The players are just kind of freelancing on every single play. And that's what it leads up to at the, the culmination of, you know, it's like um, if you ever see like a T-ball game with like little kids running around, yes. and the, 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 pit, the, pit, the pitchers like throws the ball to, you know, he just chucks the ball at the center field for no reason. There's seven players running the bases at the same time and half of them are going the wrong way. And someone's laying down in right field and you just, it's just total chaos. And that's kind of what, that final play was and what most of the game was quite frankly. Have you seen that viral video of the T-ball kid running towards home plate in slow motion and the, the coach is just losing his mind. Yeah. That's, that's brilliant. That's kind, of, that, that's, that's kind of how Mac Jones tried to tackle Chandler Jones <laughs> on that final play. He's like, let, <laughs> let me go with this slow-mo tackle and see if that works on this 265 pounder.
Art imitates art, but what do you think Billy B had to say to the team after that game, after that final sequence? Because, you know, it's what there's what he says to the media, but do you think he goes in, kicks a trash can, throws a clipboard, or do you think he just kind of moves on from that moment? I don't think he's a yeller and a screamer um, at the players. I mean, I think he just treats them like professional, like professionals, like men. I think he just goes in there and is like, guys, that's a, we're, we're good. If we play like that, we're going to lose every week. Um, got to do better next week. You know what you did wrong. Like, I honestly don't think he's going to go in there and scream and shout and tear up the locker room. And uh, he shouldn't have to because that's, I mean, what can you really say to, <laughs> to, to players after a game like that and a play like that? Like, that game could have only ended with a, uh, a play like that. Um, but, yeah, total total uh, craziness and ineptitude. Uh, so which coaching staff would you rather have McDaniels and his uh, assistants or Belichick and his? Oh, you know, I guess I would probably take Belichick just with the hope that ownership could get through to him about the rest of his staff. Cause I mean, Belichick is still, you know, the best head coach, um, in the league. He's the best head coach you're going to get, but his staff is so beyond so good. Bad. He doesn't need an OC. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's every coach is doing two jobs. You're the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator. You're the quarterbacks coach and the co-offensive coordinator. And none of these guys are offensive coaches. Correct. So it's like everyone's everyone's <laughs> spread too thin. Everyone's doing the wrong job, uh, and it's just a, a complete mess. Not even Bill Belichick can fix it. Whereas I think McDaniel's probably has a better staff. He's more open to hiring um, real coaches. But as a head coach, he can't really hold the candle to Belichick. Obviously. Yeah, this is the the first time that it makes sense that they have Matt Patricia as a rocket scientist because you're going to have to reverse engineer everything. we got to have a brain in here. But there are so many penalties on a week-to-week basis for the Raiders, but yesterday they tied a game high across the entire league. There are more game management penalties than game play. Do you think this is getting plays in earlier or maybe simplifying the verbiage, or where do you chalk up these mental errors? It's all all that stuff that that's like getting the play in on time, getting everyone lined up correctly, um, pre-snap penalties like false starts and motion and everyone on the same page. I am pretty simple about that. I always put that on the coach mm-hmm. and the, the quarterback. It's coach and quarterback. Teams with bad quarterbacks. Like when Jameis Winston played in Tampa Bay, they were like this every game because he doesn't really, that's, he's not an organizationally uh, sound you know, quarterback, and their coaching was always bad. Where if you get a guy who's like a, a Tom Brady type or a veteran who knows how to get everyone lined up and on the same page, they can kind of cover for a coach in that scenario. Um, so I think with the Raiders, it's probably more on the coaching staff. Um, but I don't think Derek Carr is that type who can whip them into shape in you know 15 seconds and get everyone lined up correctly either because he's, he's struggling with that as well. Um, I thought it's probably a little bit of both. All right. Why do UNLV lose their first game of the year? Because they thought they won. They, the first 37 minutes, they did the hard part. Um, they beat San Francisco, and then they thought the game was over before it was over. And uh, they learned a lesson really fast that if you do that, uh, sometimes you might get away with it, but once in a while, that other team is going gonna, is gonna to bite you. And that's what happened. Um, they let them go four for four on the final four possessions, um, give up 11 points in, in three minutes, and uh, couldn't score on the other end, some bad turnovers, and that was that. So you got to play to the end. It's, it's pretty simple. They did the hard part. They just didn't play long enough, and uh, it hurt them.
are they in any significant trouble without Eli Parquet? You know, I don't want to blame it uh, on his absence. I mean, they, I thought they did look a little fatigued towards the end. I thought they um, players were probably stretched a, a little thin. Um, there was one stretch, I think it was in the first half, where they played through a media timeout. They went from, like, the under-12 timeout to, like, the under-6 timeout um, without a stoppage in play where they, there was no whistles. Um, and everyone was just sort of gassed by that. And you don't know what kind of toll that takes um, later in the game for those guys who were on the court for that stretch. Um, it doesn't happen very often. But I did think there was a, a little bit of that. And Kruger in his postgame comments said um, we were a step slow at the end, uh, or half-step slow. I don't know if he meant that was more of a, uh, uh, an effort thing where they were able to, to get back on defense but didn't, or if he thought they were also uh, fatigued. But that's what, that's what he said. He said they were too slow on defense, they were, didn't rotate in time to the shooters, and San Francisco made their open shots. All right, you might not be right about all of them, but I'm glad you have takes on a wide variety of sports. He's Mike Gramala from the Las Vegas Sun. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Uh, so there's Mike Gramala. Uh, didn't even get to ask him about food because he's know, got hot takes on soccer. I know. It's usually our main bit. Yeah, too much happened, Lindsay. There's I know. Too much that happened. The greatest sports weekend of all time. Yeah. We love putting the all-time label. Of we are so self-important. Of course, and we all have terrible memories. So what's, oh, it's the trauma. Yeah. What else would be the you greatest know. sports weekend of all time? Coming up next, we'll get into the World Cup final as Argentina finally won the World Cup with Messi. Messi pulling an Alvarez on the run. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. As much as I try to make everyone believe it, I'm not always right. Uh, I'm occasionally wrong. I won't admit it too often, but I'm occasionally wrong. But then there are moments where I spend days or weeks or months or even years hammering home a point or a narrative and then get proven right. And that happened on Sunday because Mm -hmm. what was... Probably the best sporting event of my lifetime. In terms of quality. We had the stakes of the game. It's the World Cup final. It's the biggest single game in the world. Uh, players, superstar players, Lionel Messi, Kylian Mbappe. Superstar players delivering. Those two combined to score five goals. And then on top of it, the legacy aspect of yeah. what's probably the greatest soccer player of all time in Lionel Messi playing what is expected to be his last game ever for Argentina Mm -hmm. and winning his first World Cup in that game. It it doesn't get better than that. I saw a a TikTok of somebody that said, if this is the first time you've watched soccer... I saw the same one. Do not watch it again. Correct. Because it it doesn't get better than that. It's like the Minneapolis miracle, but bigger. Matt Doyle, uh, who covers Major League Soccer and the U.S. Men's National Team, uh, he tweeted out, He's like, I've been trying to figure out how this feels. And it was, you watch the last episode of the sport of soccer. Yeah. Like that, that this is like a television series that you've loved and watched. And that was the finale. Yeah. That's what that game was. And the writers did you justice. Yeah. That's what that game was. It was, I mean, we, and then on top of all of that, the actual drama of it. I mean. Insane. Argentina's, two nothing Argentina's in the first half. nothing in early. As, as late as the 79th minute. Correct. And then Kylian Mbappe scores twice in two minutes to tie the game, get it to extra time. And then both teams score an extra time. Lionel Messi scores what could have been, should have been 
the game-winning goal in extra time. I mean, Messi was crying Will, after he scored that. Will Be- the win. Before, before the game's over, Messi's crying because he's just like, I yeah. scored the game-winning goal to win the World Cup. Oh, we got called for a handball in France as a penalty, and it goes to to the shootout in which... Which he converted on right. as well. The only disappointment is that Messi and Mbappe both shot first. Yeah. I wish they could have been like the last shooters that decided it type situation. That's hard to predict like from a coaching standpoint. For and sure. We, ju- we just saw Brazil when they got eliminated on penalties. Neymar did not shoot because they had him scheduled to go fifth. And right. they missed, I think, three of their first four or something. And Neymar didn't even shoot for Brazil. So... There's an el- there's a coaching element of you don't want to risk it and not have Messi or Mbappe even shoot, but that was incredible. And yeah. I'm glad that like Mike Romalo, when we talked to him, he's like, yeah, I woke, I, I invested time in this mm-hmm. because it was excellent. It was amazing. It was one of the best sporting events I've ever seen. Uh, like you said, in terms of drama, and I was on the air with with Willie and because he was doing the Westgate show. And he's like, oh, it seems like it's going to be Argentina. And I'm like, played all the whistle. You know, we've learned some lessons in the last 24 hours of the Minnesota Vikings. Like, we'll see. I saw somebody call Mbappe a, a human ninja turtle, and I had never heard a more apt description of just that his body type. He's just chiseled out of marble, that one. But in terms of his ability to score on that penalty kick and then get one within, what, 90 seconds? Like, that yeah. never happens in soccer. That never happens. And his second goal was incredible, too. Yes, absolutely. Well, that second goal, the highlight that we just played for Argentina, it was the most hockey-looking goal I've ever seen in my life. And that's the part that was fa- so fascinating to me about Messi's performance. It wasn't just the goals that he scored, but he was involved in every single aspect of that game. Even the turnover that, uh, that ended up... Yeah, exactly. the second goal. But, but that's what you live and die on, and it was just... It had everything. Um, do you believe, is Emmy Martinez, Argentina's goalie, Hilarious. the best goalie of all time? Uh, well, I, I, I can't really make not, that distinction. Not from, a, not from a, is he great at goaltending? Right. Is he just the greatest entertainer at the position of all time? Well, the fact that he did like the Connor McDavid, or McDavid, Connor McGregor swagger yes. when he made that save. No, no, he did that after, not, that wasn't after a save. That was after the shot that went wide. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I... I love a goalie with swagger. Uh, I, he, I'm sure that he wanted to, th- that trophy presentation with the golden glove. I'm guessing that was not well received by the Qatar Probably not. Government. Well received by me. Very fun. Oh, hilarious. But I just see one of the guys looking on to him. I'm just like, that cannot go over well. When, I can't remember who they played. When Argentina won Copa America, um, which is the big South American tournament, Yeah, they won a game in penalties, and he spent... Like the entirety of the penalty shootout, just trash talking the opponent. Well, it's about getting in your opponent's head just as much as it is ex- execution at that point, right? Yeah, he's great. Like and he favor he he factored into that. By the way, he made what might go down as the greatest save in World Cup history in the lat. What was it? The hundred nineteenth yeah. minute. Yeah, was Fra- it the kick save? Should yeah, France should have oh, won yeah. the game. It was and unbelievable. He made a save with his left leg because the goalies in that situation are just running, run to the shooter and make yourself as big as possible. Right. And he did and made the save with his leg. It's France wins the world cup. If he doesn't get his leg on that, it's probably the biggest save in world cup history. Well, and how about that? The French goalie taking one off the dome and then getting scored on immediately by Messi's groin. (laughs) Like that was the worst as well, but there are so many close calls too. As you mentioned that there was that missed shot. I think there was one off the post. Like it just, 
you're you were captivated the entire time, and I think it was because Argentina was able to get on the board so early. If that kind of lulls along and the scoring doesn't happen until later, I don't think you get the game that we do because France's desperation level isn't the same. Uh, did you see Salt Bay celebrating? Of course, I saw Salt Bay. I was shocked. I'm like, how much do you have to pay to get on the field? It's Salt for Bay. This? Come on, he I just, know, but I didn't realize. Is he, is he is he an Argentine? I think so. Well, that's I, what I, I figured. I'm like, that. otherwise, why would he be soup this into it? But I, I it was fantastic. Uh, I have eaten at Salt Bay's restaurant here. Is it good? Uh, it was phenomenal. Uh, Salty, I'm guessing. Yeah, uh, he is Turkish apparently, so oh. he is not Argentinian. Argentinian. Um, but I went and the he was actually at the restaurant mm-hmm. when I went to it. And he literally just went around to every table and would like help serve the he food. He cuts it up. He carves it up. Cut it and then do his salt sprinkle. Yep. His famous salt sprinkle. The gooseneck. Love that guy. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know what his real name is. I don't even know. I think he's changed it. What he actually does. I'm just, I'm sure he's a great chef or something. I'm just under the impression that he can walk around and sprinkle salt on anybody's food and make it taste better. A curator of meats he is. Yeah. But he was on the field celebrating with the World Cup trophy. Everybody famous was at that game. (laughs) Every single person. I mean, if I had near unlimited funds i would have been Correct. at that game too i just i think the thing i enjoyed most was just seeing messi with his family after the story the whole bit his three boys it was just poked my heart poked my heart real bad are you trying to poke at me no no 20 seconds i don't even i don't i, don't, I would I don't never even, poke at you i don't even dislike Can you, did you did you have kids. any feelings uh, when that was going on or it was your grinch heart just For like his kids? yeah no i did like when messi kissed the world cup trophy okay Listen, soccer celebrations, when they get to lift the trophy, phenomenal. Soccer actually gives the trophy to the players, unlike all of our sports, but hockey who give it to the owners.